Best friendhood. Best friend. 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 You're my best friend. You're my best friend. Best friendhood. Would like to reopen with something similar to what we did yesterday about being back in the. Check it. What? I just really enjoyed our banter about being back together again. So we can either acknowledge that this is our redo or not. It's up to you. It's episode 19. You would think we would have had these kinds of bugs worked out. Really did just like re-put together the entire (gasps) office. Oh my God. I freaking forgot that you had to tear apart the whole thing. Oh yeah. Like you had to take the soundproofing off the walls and everything. Mm -hmm. Yes. That... So, yes, here we are in the studio, getting it put back together, figuring it out. And of course, you know, it wouldn't be a you and me reuniting in the basement after. It's almost been a month since we've been down here together. Didn't we record before Christmas? It was before the new year. So was it between Christmas and the new year then? I can't remember. You know what? I take that back. I think we did get together right after the new year because we did that Betty White tribute. Yes. And that would have been like the first few days of January because didn't she pass on the 30th or New Year's Eve? New Year's Eve. So yes, we would. Okay. So this is our second time recording then this year together at least. (laughs) Correct. Yeah. Together. Hey, I'm out of the closet. Oh boy. Just been sitting in there waiting for my time to come out. (laughs) Yeah. That sucked. And of course, last night we tried to get together and record and we had gotten about 20 minutes in, Mm -hmm. even a little bit further. And I got a phone call from my dad because it was his birthday and, you know, Mm -hmm. of course I'm going to talk to my my dad. And I went back to re-listen to try to find out where we had left off before he called. And for some reason, my microphone had disattached itself from the settings Mm. and Mm. it sounded like an episode five all over again. But reversed because wasn't it me that was super quiet in episode five? Yes. And I was the one who was blasting everybody's ear holes. Yes. And you had rewound it last night to just a point where it was you talking and it was like, oh, that's really quiet. Volume up, volume up, volume up. And then I said something. It's like, whoa. Oh, now I, we are deaf. Thank you. <laughs> yes. By that point of the day, we had decided, we looked at each other and just went, no. <laughs> so we'll try again tomorrow. <sighs> oh, man, it was oh, frustrating. Oh, my God. It was I, painful. As After you left, mm-hmm. I I didn't even, like, shut things down. I just, I immediately walked away. And then I put together a hot, hot bath and I stayed in there for an hour and a half. Like, <laughs> just sweated it out. Boil oh. away the rage. Correct. I was going to go home and do that too. And then I had a phone call that I just, I couldn't avoid. Mm. And by the time that was done, I was like, okay, I am too tired to even take a hot shower. I'm just going to go to bed and take some extra melatonin because it's late. Like, on a weeknight, I'm usually passed the F out by 9.15, 9.30. Oh, yeah, and we were. We it were was, I think, o'clock. 10 o'clock by the time I got home. Yeah. So, I mean, which is fine, but, like, that's a late night for me anyway, mm-hmm. which is manageable. Like, I'm not going to hate myself in the morning for it, but by the time I got home and got off the phone, I was like, okay, no. Super frustrating evening. It is what it is. Go 
the F to sleep. Samuel L. Jackson. I actually own that book and came across it as I was looking through my keepsake box for those pictures I brought. Mm. Completely forgot I had it. I bought it as a joke for one of our listeners who has emailed us a few times. And when we did our Instagram live, she was one of our uh, first like watchers or followers, whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bought that for her when she was pregnant with her first kid. And then was like, oh, maybe I should hang on to this. Not funny for an infant. Like between her and I, it'd be hilarious. But like, I'm going to hang on to it. Completely forgot. That was like six or seven years ago. And I came across it last night. I still have it. Oh, wow. How funny. I don't know if she knows that I... Well, spoiler. You're getting a present. (laughs) So, P.S. by the way. Anyway, something that I still want to remark upon... Mm-hmm. Because if you didn't listen all the way through to last week's episode, I'm sure some other people didn't. But yes. Anyway, P.S. By the way, there is a fun little extra ticket at the end of last week's episode that's just really adorable. So you should probably, after I start talking about all of like the end credits, listen to it because I made Jacob do it and he went. Oh. Yeah, because when I listened to Melissa's sweet little 10 minute, what does friendship mean to the youngins episode? As soon as you started talking talking about like our social media I went yep I got that I know those things and I just stopped and it wasn't until last night when we were trying to record this episode for the first time that you were you told me that oh no there's more which I like the podcast that I love they do that yes they sneak something at the very end often mm-hmm so shame on me shame on you because that was the most precious ending ever well it was pretty darn cute so moving forward with that you know we finally got it and we uh talking about childhood and friendships Mm -hmm. friendships within childhood and because you know last week i talked about how i'm i was pretty positive that you would have some solid knowledge to bring because Mm -hmm. I mean, this is something that when you were in school, like you were part of that study was going and observing young children in all sorts of different age ranges. In not a weird way. In... Oh, gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Not, <laughs> not being like, hey. hey, I'm here to observe your children. No, in a, a fully parental consensual with other adults in the room. Yes. Observing I... children at their different developmental stages. In yeah. um, I think it was my first first or second summer of graduate school, one of the classes I took was child and adolescent psychology. And Mm -hmm. part of that experience was typically that class was taught during the school year, the the regular school year. So the expectation was to go into a classroom and observe. Well, I took it during the summer. Oh, sure. And so there wasn't obviously any classrooms. So my workaround for that, because the professor at the time said, you know, well, if you've got nieces or nephews, you know, you can hang out with them and record your observations. This was before I had a nephew. So I asked the kind people at the Early Childhood Development Center on campus if I could come hang out with them for a day. Yeah. And it was really neat. I I spent a a couple hours with the infant room talking with the workers there and like interacting with the little babies and playing with the little one-year-olds who couldn't wait to show me like their favorite toys. And then I went to the room with like the two to three or four-year-olds where they were doing like art and like letters and those kinds of things. Then I went to the like kindergartners and then first grade and so on and so forth. Part of the assignment then was to write about kind of what we observed in the children, like what were they doing, and then tie it to 
our understanding of the different developmental areas of the brain and how the children are growing and what they were learning through these different activities and how that's affecting their their development. It was such a, a neat experience, although at the time, highly anxiety producing. Really? Oh, yes. Because I have for years, and even now in my current work, I've had parents make really derogatory assumptions that because I'm a gay man, that must mean I'm a pedophile. Oh my God. You're kidding me. No, I've literally had parents say, oh, no, 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 we don't want to work with him. We don't trust gay men with our children. Like That is so upsetting and disgusting. It's horrible. I'm a really good therapist and I connect with children and teenagers really well because, well, I don't know why, but I do and I know I do good work, and I oh god, I would the thought that that's e- or the the fact that that's even a thought that people have because of my sexuality is so offensive, and that's their shit that they need to deal with. I like water off a duck's. So knowing that people hold that really disgusting, I don't even want to call it a stereotype, bigotry. It's bigotry, yeah, it's um, bigotry. I was super self conscious about going into these classrooms. Oh, I'm so sorry. Well, fortunately, like most of the workers there were other students who I either knew from around campus or had classes with. So it was fine. But yeah, it was like, that was like the anxiety producing part was I hadn't been around kids for a long, long time. Never thought that I would end up working in a place where I work with kids. That is your clientele. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And I'm so grateful for that experience because looking back, while I definitely breezed through the homework and maybe didn't even open or purchase the textbook, I have since purchased the textbook. And I, I like when I got my job and realized like, oh, this is actually, I really like this. I really enjoy working with kids and teenagers. I guess I should probably learn about them. Oh, Lord. Um, oh, gosh, where was I going with that? Oh, yes. So like that whole experience, that whole summer set me up in a way that I never expected. And now here I am using play therapy and doing family therapy. And it's it's incredible. Like it's children and teenagers are at such a unique comparatively uh, developmental stage or part of life where their brains are growing and changing and doing so many cool things so quickly that if we are able to like if a kid like is in a car accident or has some kind of a trauma like that if we're able to treat that in the moment when they're still really young the likelihood that they will need fewer sessions of therapy less therapy overall in their lifespan is much greater because they have um the way that their brains are still growing and changing we can basically reroute those neural pathways from an a maladaptive or an unhealthy or an unhelpful way pretty easily to, oh, hang on, let's redirect over here. Let's manage this stress this way in a really healthy way. And then that sets them up for long-term success. And those are, those are, that's a toolbox yeah. for life that mm-hmm. most people never get right until they choose to go to therapy or counseling in their adult years. And when we're adults, we have to kind of challenge and question and examine our ways of being, our patterns, our behaviors, and really make some hard choices of, all right, I can see now where I developed that pattern. It is not serving me well anymore. What am I going to do about it? Well, it's like learning a language, you know? Mm -hmm. Yes. Your brain is a sponge when you're a child. Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I think that's also like an important time to, you know, for for kids to try to make those friendships. I know when I was younger, I had like a few solid, like really good best friends like that we just hung out all of the time. Mm-hmm. And then you know, like my my brother, he had his crew and it felt like he had a few more really close friends. But for me, like, I think I had like one to two to maybe three really good close friends that we always hung out with each other at school and outside of school, like, you know, uh, sleepovers and stuff like that. Mm. Uh, And they kind of changed like every two or three years, Hmm. maybe. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think it's so important, especially when you are a kid, because every everything is new. Every experience is something that you've not done before. Yes. And to have somebody that's your friend that you can either talk about things with be scared with oh gosh yeah or help conquer things with like it's that's an automatic support system with somebody who hopefully is also non-judgmental with how things are because it's brand new to them too Mm -hmm. yeah you're kind of experiencing it for the first time together everything what is this you know from like your first life check to uh you know picking teams a pe Mm -hmm. to even you know, like staying over at somebody else's house for the first time. Right. Which I think that's also so important because you're you're really opening up to new experiences. Because mm-hmm. when you're little, have you ever come across those like uh, those posts about uh, what was normal for you and your family that you oh didn't my. realize everybody else did not do correct (laughs) yes because honestly like for you and your family unit whatever you guys do within your own like that's your normal so when you go and stay at somebody's house you get to learn all their little quirks like Mm -hmm. because i remember like there was some families where the tv was only allowed to be on from 4 30 until 7 or dinner wasn't all at the table it was take your food and go eat it wherever you want right here's food figure it out yeah Mm -hmm. or the kids actually helped cook the meals you know like it was those different things and even like the different family dynamics where you got to see like somebody who had a true older sibling who was like 10 years older right and that kind of a dynamic that was in the house or you went over to a friend's house and and they had a baby Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. and it was like different so you get that that mind-opening experience when you have a friend where you're learning not only about this person, but about how the world can be different, how the world is different. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And because that person is your friend and somebody that you care about. It's totally cool and fine and awesome. And that inherently builds empathy by having those connections and those new experiences at somebody else's house or or with somebody who maybe like you may be in the special math class because you're just so wonderful at math, but your best buddy, really terrible at math. I'm pointing at myself here. Oh, has so to neither go, one of us are good Oh, at math. I had to go sit in the hallway to do the, the math class with the kids that weren't good at math. I don't remember her name, but she had bright red hair. She kind of looked like Amy Adams. That may be a pseudo memory, but I remember sitting in like the hallway that went out to the playground and like there was a whiteboard on that hallway and there was like six of us that we would just sit there and do like real easy math because we apparently couldn't cut it for the the regular math class. Do you remember Mad Minutes? Oh, yes. I I, hated those. Talk about stress inducing. I would literally like before I even think panic attacks had like a name attached to them. Right. 
every time because I would only be able to do maybe five or eight. And then your equations. brain would like short, uh, short circuit. Because not only did math already make me feel uncomfortable, mm-hmm. but then we are timed and there's only 60 seconds and you're sitting in tight knit desk groups where you're watching everybody else around you fly through right, these like things. furiously scribble away like they just know. And I'm a person like when I was a kid, like to get something wrong was the end of the world. Correct. Oh, yeah. Same. So needless to say, I don't know if they still do them, but I sure as shit hope not because that is so like I still have such a visceral reaction. Yeah. About it. I mad saw minute. a meme oh, that God. had a picture of a mad minute on it and I immediately Did you went, not? Ugh! I like, want to vomit. I have like a, a PTSD, like a flashback Correct. response to like, oh my God, no. It's sincerely. Mm-hmm. And we did them from like first grade through probably up to middle school. I was homeschooled intermittently through those years. So I think I probably had a total of two years in public school where I was doing those. But then my mom, God bless her soul, mom, I know you're listening. She decided she was going to buy that same curriculum when she was homeschooling me. So I still had mad minutes or math minutes, whatever it was called. I think I I thought it was mad. I don't honestly remember that was forever ago, but still had the same thing. Why did you do that to me, mom? You owe me some money for therapy. He says as a counselor, <laughs> making right. money for therapy. <laughs> anyway, uh, I'm just joking. I love my mom. We have a beautiful relationship. Um, Something that just hit my brain. Yeah. When I was younger, I had a friend. She was one of my really, really good friends. And we would sleep over pro- like almost every other weekend, if not Oh my God, that's so sweet. Weekends, right? Yeah. And I remember... We would even take baths together and learning things about like how the human body can be so different. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Building more of that empathy and realizing Mm -hmm. like, oh, there is no such thing as perfect or normal. Correct. That was really helpful too, Mm -hmm. especially Mm -hmm. in a family where I just had, you know, my twin brother and my older brother. Right. No points of reference. Yeah. And even like my cousins i only had one girl cousin and she mm-hmm. lived further away and we didn't really ever get to see her sure so you know my good friends when i was a kid were the only way that i could really like talk to figure out and hang out with other girls yeah yeah hmm. interesting learning to see the world through somebody else's eyes putting yourself in their shoes understanding that or not understanding maybe but learning like you said earlier, that things are different. Families are different. We do different things. I I think one of the memories that I hold where I really experienced that for the first time was um, when I started at a new school in third grade after being homeschooled and made this friend. His name was Ben. He was just as gloriously nerdy as I was. So we clicked right away. And I went to his house for, I think, I don't know, like his birthday or maybe it was even just like a regular like weekend sleepover. We lived in a single single story ranch style home he lived in like a two or three story with also a fully finished basement like it was like oh dang this is a much bigger house than the very comfortable house that we lived in yeah but it was just like a totally different style and i was like what is this like is this a real home so do we do we do we sleep in the third floor in your bedroom do we sleep in the living room on the second floor or the first floor do we sleep in the basement with the video games what do we do we never left the basement that sounds about right (laughs) we played mario kart on the super nintendo a lot also that was where i watched clue for the first time and got just completely addicted to that movie i love that movie (laughs) 
I remember like there were a couple different friends where I really learned um, like there was one friend Ryan that we had and he also lived pretty close to us too but he was totally into baseball Hmm. so my knowledge of 90s baseball players is well far above and beyond what should have been normal because Ryan knew everything about all of them and whenever we would play quote unquote baseball in the backyard you know mm-hmm. he'd always be chipper or whatever <laughs> <laughs> and he'd, uh, you know so I knew all those baseball players and something else that I learned um, was like the whole fantasy realm of things I remember I had hmm. a friend Leah and she was just so imaginative where she would literally create this entire fantasy land, mm-hmm. the creatures within it, a storyline. Oh my gosh. And then we would, it was basically LARPing when we were children. Well, isn't that what play with, is? Well, yeah, but just in her mind. So instead of like playing house, we played fairyland, you know. And, and you were wizards and warriors and fighting dragons and making friends with the elves. Exactly. And hunting jewels. And I had no idea about any of this. And she was just all up in it. Leah and I would have been real good friends. Friendships when you were a kid they and create. why they're important. And I, I I do suppose that, you know, like some of our listeners probably have kids or maybe will mm-hmm. in the future. Mm-hmm. Do you have any, I, any knowledge or tidbits on how to help kids foster friendships, which is almost weird to say because we always, we kind of tout that like, you know, when you're a kid, you can just walk up to somebody and be like, hey, mm-hmm. like your t-shirt, you want to be friends? But that's such a surface level one. I think when, what we're talking about here is like actual meaningful ones where mm-hmm. your kid has a friend who if something starts to happen you know that they've got somebody who's got their back right because you know just like we've talked about in very recent episodes you know as adults with friends we're able to kind of bear the stress of life a little bit better yeah just having that social connection having that relational connection with someone is really important it's it's very much the same for children that when they have friends or a friend um, kids are more likely to be engaged in school they're more likely to be more engaged in in striving for good grades now of course kids may have other things that get in the way of that but having that that peer connection having that relationship with someone engages them in the process of learning in a way that being isolated or lonely doesn't. Yeah. Um, it really acts as a a buffer for some of the like stereotypical troubles that kids have at school, like not getting along with their teacher or really struggling with a certain subject. If you've got a couple of friends, you've got people that you can talk to on the playground, talk to at recess ask for help from during study hall. There are so many studies that find that children with friends do better in school. Um, Now, of course, coming back to your question, how do we help our children make and maintain friendships? That is where we will start after a quick break. Okay. What was it that I was going to answer? Because now I can't remember. Oh, well, <clears throat> I proffered tidbits or knowledge nuggets to share about how we can help kids foster mm. a friendship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because um, I really think that, you know, like, especially when you're a kid, um, having good friends, you know, besides the things that we've already talked about, that's a way, you know, I think that kids can help figure out who they are themselves. Mm-hmm 
how they want their world to be. The community that you were talking about. Yeah, making their own community and helping them to like form the world that they want. Because I think about, you know, when, because we were young readers. Are you recording this? I am. Okay, good. Because we were young readers. And, you know, I think about how I would read books. And from those books, like I would glom on to certain mm-hmm. aspects and you know and i would try to like make that happen mm-hmm. and you try to you know like do that with your friends and stuff and because that's something that i wanted to be i right. wanted or i wanted the world to be more this way mm-hmm. and i think you know when you're young and building those those friendships to where you grow with each other and i think especially as those friendships grow with you into you know from besides early childhood through elementary school middle school even in high school mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You have those base friends that even if you start growing apart or growing differently, you know that that person's got your back. Mm-hmm. You know, even if you're not necessarily super close in high school, you still have somebody that's still your community. It's almost right. you know, like chosen family. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. And when you have that friendship, I think I said this before the break, but that really truly acts as a buffer, not just against stress, but against the... Um, the perils of middle school and high school where all of a sudden it's all about popularity and many studies have found that kids who are popular aren't necessarily kids with friends yes oh my gosh may i tell you a story that like still is burned in my brain yeah go for it i was not necessarily a popular kid Mm -hmm. but i wasn't unpopular Mm -hmm. you know like there's that weird delineation there but i remember at recess after lunch no it was before lunch in elementary school nope it was after it was after lunch because that's when we had recess but i remember the really popular girl jessica you know she had her little there was a gaggle of us that would always be around her and i don't remember what the situation was but she stopped and she went you guys if you can't figure it out or if something doesn't happen soon i'm just gonna let melissa sit next to me at lunch tomorrow oh my god yeah. Like, so yes, she was popular, but was that really a friendship? No. no. It was a status symbol. Mm-hmm. It was something. And I was super jazzed. I was like, gosh, I hope they don't figure out whatever the hell that is that they're trying to figure out. <laughs> right. I want to sit next to Jessica at lunch. Can you imagine? Whoa. But that, that popularity, just because people... Idolize you. Thank you. That's the word. It doesn't mean that that idolization or that that gaggle or that posse will protect you from the stressors that a friendship protects you from. So I guess the first thing in that in that vein that I would say, parents, you can help foster this in your children is helping them identify and understand the difference between popularity and the difference between, <clears throat> excuse me, the difference between popularity and friendship by providing clear age appropriate understandings of what each of those are being popular is just you know i don't know in my school it was that kids looked up to you that you were well known yeah like people weren't scared of you but they also weren't really close to you where the the friendship aspect is a reciprocal relationship popularity is a one-way relationship where one person receives the benefit of other people like giving them affection or giving them tokens or mm -hmm, 
Whereas with a friendship that is very much a reciprocated two-way street between two people that I care about you and I show it in these ways and you care about me and you show it in those ways. And through that mutual respect and trust and shared experience, that is what creates the right-to-right hemisphere connection to our brains, our right hemispheres of our brains, cue into the nonverbal communication between each other. And we we are able to co-regulate our emotions with each other. We're able to feel connected to each other. It's all through. There's a whole lot of neurology. I won't go into it. Neurology. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, have you met me? Yeah. Um, When it's a a one-way street, it's a take-take-take relationship. Mm -hmm. And because of that element, children miss out on all of the protective factors that come from a friendship. So I think something else that just came into my mind is, you know, and, and I think that what you said is wholeheartedly a wonderful and very smart idea, teaching them that difference between popularity and a friendship. Because, I mean, that's usually like a trope is like even the most popular kid is usually lonely. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a trope for a reason. That's a trope that's actually grounded in reality. Yeah. And I think also something that could be helpful in in guiding your child to have that solid friend is because one thing that I know is like you can kind of tell when your child and their good friend are having a tiff mm-hmm. because they stop talking about mm-hmm. them or they stop coming around. So, you know, helping kids to understand how to have a disagreement or how to mm-hmm. work through an argument mm-hmm. or understanding that just because you had one fight doesn't mean that you aren't friends. Right. Because that's something that humans do. We don't always agree. Mm-hmm. And it is healthy mm-hmm. to have that disagreement and then come back together and talk about it. In therapy, we call that the rupture and repair process. And I hate that word. I know. I know. But rupture. That, that's what I did after a, my Taco Bell today. <laughs> it's a, a, a relational rupture. It's a, a a separation in the relationship that then yeah. gets to be repaired. It's the bridge. It's a fish falling apart and then being rebuilt. And it's something a tiny bonfire that somebody lit on the bridge, uh-huh. and you have to go back with a fire extinguisher and put it out. Yeah. So that that teaches. So that one, if a parent is able to go through those relational ruptures with their child and then go back and say, hey, mom overreacted to that. Here's why. Or, you know what, kiddo? We disagreed on that. Let, let's let come back and, and try and understand each other. Go through that reparative process of talking through it level-headedly and calmly. Mm-hmm. That one... With reason. With reason, we'll of course. Them, because for me, something that always helps me figure things out is when I am given the why. Yes. The answer to the why. Yes. And if you aren't sure... Google it. Also, search if you're engine not it. Sure, that's okay too. And your children Just, will learn from being honest and saying, "I don't know." Let's learn that together. Right. That's huge. Um. So if we can model that in our child and parent relationships, children are more likely than to increase that empathy as well as altruism. That there is good in the world. That they want to provide and be good in the world. That altruistic, optimistic way of seeing things is fostered by knowing that we can have those disagreements, we can have those um, moments of, of hurt and feeling separated, and also be able to come back together. 
Mm -hmm. Because I think of all those little things that do happen, you know, that I just overhear of kids that are in my life, you know, where, well, so-and-so didn't even pick me first for their team, you know, and that's something that brings hurt because they, Mm -hmm. you know, they're supposed to be good friends. And Mm -hmm. obviously, you know, Mm -hmm. that child was hurt. They weren't picked first. So those are moments where you can say, well, I understand that you're hurt. Why are you hurt? Mm -hmm. And then, you know, talk through it and then help either, you know, help them understand why that decision might have been made from that child or help them find the confidence to go and talk to their friend Mm -hmm. about how they were hurt. Mm -hmm. So then, first of all, their friend understands that they were hurt because their friend might not know that what they did even hurt their feelings because children are always learning. Correct. We're all always learning. So, yeah, I think that's definitely something that can be. I mean, I wish I I wish I would have been proffered. Me too. A better way of handling those difficulties of anything. I really was just kind of plopped into the. So many of us were. Yeah. The other thing that I want parents to remember or anybody who's a caregiver or or a guiding factor for a child is so often there's an expectation that if we if we teach or tell the child something once there's an oh, expectation God. that their brain will remember it and that they will do that thing the next time they're presented with a similar situation that's not how the child mind works they must experience something multiple times for those neural pathways in their brain to be created and the the trail well worn enough for that to be the the automatic response that they then have if they do something and it's not the correct or or appropriate response you redirect you tell them how to do the the thing instead and then you continuously teach them that oh hang on remember this is how we respond to these things remember it's not that your friend hates you it's really blah 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 and that takes repetition even adults we must learn things repetitively well and we're always inside of our own head all of the time Mm -hmm. and our own heads are not always accurate correct very much correct sometimes we read different moment to moment yes and sometimes we make interpretations and assumptions that are incorrect and it takes practice to recognize when we're making those interpretations and assumptions and and to shift out of that pattern of jumping to conclusions yeah it's it's really we're doing a disservice to children and teenagers when we assume that because we've taught them once they will know how to handle that situation with their friend the next time it's unfair because their brains simply aren't wired that way yet i mean why do you think we were taught to stop drop and roll 800 million times which piece what by the way i remember it i've never once been on fire same a little bit disappointed when i realized that in my 20s like i this i thought this was a much bigger problem i was going to deal with in my life than it has actually been like why wasn't i taught the heimlich maneuver as many times as i was taught that if i were ever to catch on fire to stop drop and roll (laughs) teach me the heimlich maneuver more teach me cpr more correct yeah i don't know that's funny it's like with sharing like You can't expect a a child to share after the first time that you say, now share with your friend, especially a toddler or a preschooler or a kindergartner. Their brains are still developing even the concept of other beings outside of themselves and their parent or caregiver. You uh, 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 saying share, 
share your truck and then assuming that they will always remember how to share well it's setting them up for failure because you gotta demonstrate and through that demonstration through that experience between the caregiver and the child that's how they learn and then they can take that experience and practice that with their friends so and here's something else like especially with sharing this Mm -hmm. is difficult because yes learning how to share is important Mm -hmm. and i think that's helping that's something that helps to build a kind human that's how we build um unselfishness yes but also especially with sharing this is something that's tough because say it's your personal like your truck you know you don't have to share your truck say like if you take it to a playground and a stranger comes up, that's, a new kid that you've never met. That's your toy, and that's boundaries. important to you. Yes, setting certain boundaries. But even then, like, if you're at home and your kid is having a play date and that's their truck, this might be the moment to try to teach sharing because you welcomed another person into mm-hmm. your home mm-hmm. in order to come and play with you. Mm-hmm. So this is a space where sharing is appropriate and warranted and we can practice it safely and it's also and even within that though it's like how do you appropriately share like is it when you're done playing don't get mad when somebody else picks up that toy like that's obviously like that's Mm -hmm. super duper simple or do you try to do the you can obviously see that your child is bored with it but Mm -hmm. they're just playing with it so that the other kid doesn't get it so then you get to teach them about compromise and asking and and finding out what the other person would like to do and then working together okay Okay. It doesn't have to be just black and white. Either you're playing it with it or they're playing with it. We get to model and demonstrate and help their little brains grow to see, oh, it, it, it just because it's not in my hands doesn't mean it's not mine anymore. Right. I can shove it across the room to my friend and then they can shove it back to me and then we can play together with the same toy, a concept okay. that their sweet little brain's don't really grasp until it's That's spelled young. out for them. That's kind of a, I'm, I'm thinking three, young, young. yeah, okay. like two, three. And I'm also thinking about how you know, for older kids, especially if it's something that they really love or like a, a newish toy that mm-hmm. they really, really enjoy, that might be an opportunity for them to talk about how they're willing to share. But you're asking somebody to please take care with this thing because mm-hmm. this is mm-hmm. special to me, and I want to share it with you. But we please, get, you know, don't we, throw it. Please don't. Yeah. We get to learn then how to set rules how to set expectations how to set boundaries and how to give trust to somebody else and how to communicate yeah how to say those things in a way that can be heard in a way that doesn't create a separation doesn't create a rupture we get to guide those conversations we get to help them with that what a privilege and honor to be a caregiver of a child that gets to teach them these things that we know inherently oh yeah let, like let's figure it out we'll I make don't a plan know inherently like these are things that i forget because especially with midwest nice we're kind of like mm. you share what you're given oh my gosh i'm gonna even get started like with religion share everything that you're given you know whatever which yeah. yes to a certain point but also i'm sharing i should be able to put boundaries especially if something that's important to me like my time mm-hmm. like my time especially mm-hmm. as an adult mm-hmm. holy balls Zach, mm-hmm. I need to make sure that you understand that, yes, I will share with you, but please respect that these certain things are what I'm expecting as I'm sharing with you. Right. These are things that I forget how to do. These are things that I could have been a lot better at. <laughs> Practicing boundaries from it's a young age helps us. Oh, my gosh. Feel more. Um, Not necessarily in control. Safe. Yes. 
consistent, understandable, clear boundaries. Those benefit us for a lifetime. Holy cow. I really, I really wholeheartedly believe that if I had learned, understood boundaries more so, Mm -hmm. whether how they were set and why they were set or that I could do the same. Right. That you get to choose the boundaries for yourself and what you're comfortable with. Yeah. Not just accept the boundaries that other people mm-hmm. create. I really believe that I would be a much different Melissa. Me too. I would be too. Wild. Yeah. This is why friendships is a kid are important. Well, a lot yes. of things. And childhood within itself is important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I want to come back to thinking about play, not just in the sharing aspect, but that reminded me of something that we talked about last night in our first recording of this episode. <laughs> Which, by the way, we, we, we didn't delete. It's no, we saved, saved it. It's literally saved as like a bonus, but be warned. It's not. The sound quality is horrible, but there's some golden nuggets in it. There are. There are that I don't think we could ever recreate naturally. So No. And that's fine. It's not the first time. It won't be the last time. And that's part of life. It is what it is. It was something that was out of our control. Now we know what to do differently and we move on. We should really like make a checklist. Oh yeah. Like, is this happening? Have you looked at this? More sticky notes. More sticky notes. You've noticed I've consolidated. I did notice that. <laughs> okay. Sorry. That's a, no, Talking don't be sorry. Play. Yeah. So children learn through play. Um, I think last night I talked about how play therapy works a little bit. That, yes, but the sand therapy. Yes, sand thank you. That's therapy. right. Mm-hmm. Um, so in play therapy, a child can reenact, and quite often, I, I believe, they just naturally do it. Like, it's not something that they sit down and go, okay, I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to do this. It just comes out. Play just happens. It is such a natural, human, developmental thing to do we play and that's how children learn that's how they create yes. friendships that's how they create relationships that's how they learn to relate to the Life world skills uh, physically mentally emotionally all of yes. the things and so in therapy um the way we use play is uh kind of setting like okay here's a big dollhouse we've got these figurines and uh kind of let the children do with that as they will and quite often they will reenact scenarios or reenact things that were scary and then we get to kind of organize that for them by asking questions and um having conversations that kind of either elicit a verbal response or a response within the play and through that process we're organizing the sensory memory in the right hemisphere the emotional memory that is is difficult and and maybe very raw and that helps to integrate into the left hemisphere where we have language and logic and integration creates memory like it creates an organized memory that can then be stored in the memory banks without the emotional pain or the fear or whatever the case is that occurs when we just have unprocessed sensory memories in the right hemisphere just hanging out over there with the sand tray it's kind of the same thing we have a rectangle of sand and we get to use these different figurines as representations of because you've mentioned that they're not usually humanoid Mm-hmm. They're tarantulas. They're dragons. Mm-hmm. They're uh, buses. They're you've you yes you've seen the the wall of figurines yes, that we have, which is really fun. It's so much fun. I never expected in my life that I would be like looking at Toys R Us or not Toys R Us. Oh my God, that's a weird Freudian slip. Definitely not a Freudian. Goodwill, slip. Goodwill, Goodwill. Yeah. 
uh, for like those little like dollar bags of like old toys. Heck yes. <gasps> like the old McDonald Happy Meal Yes. Ones. Yeah. I, I'm pretty sure we have some of those in my office. Like the Transformer burgers and oh fries my God, and milkshakes. I loved those. I was obsessed with those. Ditto. Oh my gosh. Is the, that or the... The clicking that they made as you switched them, I can still hear that click. Oh. It was such a satisfying, like tactile sound for me. That's a really specific memory. The Land Ooh. Before Time oh, hand puppets yes. from Pizza Hut. Oh my gosh, I forgot about those. Yeah. Oh, Land Before Time. My heart. R.I.P. To all the dinosaurs. <laughs> all of them. All of them. <laughs> Except for like, you know, chickens and I was and just going to say freaking chickens and alligators. Yeah. God. Gila monsters. Those are definitely dinosaurs. Uh, but yeah, so in, in the sand Hold tray. I'm so sorry. What? Have you seen in the news? There's in Florida a warning for falling iguanas because the temperature is getting so low at night. They're <gasps> cold blooded and they usually they roost in trees. So they fall out of trees. They're not dead, but they're so cold that they literally just fall out of trees. Those poor babies. So there's warnings in Florida right now oh to God. watch for falling iguanas. Oh my God. I hope they are okay. I hope they don't get hurt. So, I love iguanas. I think they're so cute. <laughs> in your sand tray. <laughs> so in the sand tray, we typically avoid like human figures like Barbie or G.I. Joe because often children, when given a prompt, will look for a person or a figurine that looks just like the person that they're trying to represent, like mm-hmm. mom, dad, car- whoever. Yeah. So we use animals we use dragons we use dinosaurs we use all these other creatures and one book that i read the the author described it as um the way she would prompt the children to decide on a figurine is what figurines glow what figurines jump at you so you you spend a few minutes looking at the wall of the figurines and then you it's so neat to watch because they just kind of look and they're like wow these are so cool and they get a little distracted like oh my gosh and then they'll put that one back and then all of a sudden it's like mission accomplished yeah it's like a such a it's such an interesting process to watch happen on their face and and in their body language and then you give them a little prompt of like all right so let's make a sand tray about this let's let's see how this goes so like you mentioned like a dragon that could be like the protective mom angry fiery dragon trying to protect the children or a tarantula as like the spooky creepy mean somebody okay babysitter or whatever and they create a scene in the sand that just like with play therapy with the dollhouse example that we as therapists i as a therapist get to then really question and 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 i treat it as such a sacred space like i will never touch a child's sand tray i will never that's their story it's their art it is their art it is their world it is their inner experience being expressed in the physical realm so i may point after asking permission but i will never touch it even after they leave i always say hey is it okay if i put this away after you go home because i want to make sure that they know yep yes i'm done with this you can put it away well that helps bring closure to that mm-hmm. session and that and yeah. maintaining their sense of control yes because especially after something big even if they didn't know what they just did was mm-hmm. big so i have used Santray with a lot of my teenagers and it's fascinating how their faces light up just like the eight-year-old's 
just like the six-year-olds. Well, playing in the sand is something that's so, like, it's inherently childhood-esque. Yeah. Like, even when I go and visit my dad and my stepmom out at the lake, I want to go build a sand volcano. Heck and yes. And I'm 35. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. There's something about sand. I, I think it's like the, the tactile sensation of the grains and the, just the unique texture of it and getting like it's so cool typically. Like you just you can sink your hands in it and it just feels The fact neat. that you can build something substantial out of it, but then also it's so easy to just... It. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's incredible what people will create in a sand tray with a minimal prompt, and then you ask them to describe what's happening in the context of therapy. I've gotten so many blank stares, like, I kind of forgot I was supposed to do something with this. And then they look a second or third time, and all of a sudden it's like, oh my gosh, I think that this line in the middle represents this. And on this side, it's me and these different parts of myself. And we're all defending me from this scary monster over here who represents whatever. And people's imaginations and people's minds and people's brains are so incredibly powerful that when we can help children make sense of that inner power and organize that by connecting someone that they can play with we set them up obviously not for a perfect life because that's not a thing correct but we empower them with the tools to understand empathy and loyalty and openness and unselfishness and altruism compromise we empower children by allowing them to play and to experience life safely yes with repetitive guiding care very well done thanks that was good i feel like i just went on a whole thing I'm not gonna <laughs> like, lie. i don't I know what to say here, next i'm like okay so this is a lot of it's a lot of therapy talk about therapy talk yep I yep, wonder yep how he's gonna bring it back i don't and know look at you fucking blasting it home in those last like three <laughs> sentences <laughs> check mark check mark check mark nailed it Thanks. I think that is very true. And and it's not that any parent or caregiver needs to be a counselor and think about all these things all of the time. But if you can help remember for yourself, first of all, that you were a child once, Mm -hmm. that everything is still new to them. Yeah. To see the world through their eyes a little bit. Help keep that magic around for as long as you can. Mm -hmm. Because holy beans, man. Mm Mm-hmm. That's something that was so special and it gets kind of buffed away. True, yeah. The longer that you're around and the more that you experience. So if you can help keep that magic about things for a while, that's nice. Um, I guess one thing that we do have is, you know, friendship is magic. Friendship is absolutely magical, especially as a kid. Sorry, I don't want to interrupt you. I can see you're thinking. Oh, no, that's about it. So yeah, why don't you go ahead? A few years ago, I signed up to participate in a a woman's study i think it was for her phd for her dissertation oh okay about the magic of a women's study a woman sorry singular yes singular woman apostrophe s i was gonna say like a a woman's dissertation and she was talking her her dissertation was on like why was harry potter so important to us do you remember that speaking of this her whole thing was like because she's probably our age i didn't fit into her oh that's right you were like a year out of the age range that she was looking for like you had to be like 10 like 9 to 11 years old when the first book was published or something yeah i was slightly older right 
right um that's what it was she was looking to see like how growing up at the same ages as the the characters in the books as the books were published and being 13 when book three came out and 15 when book five came out etc like that was me they usually came out in the fall i had just turned whatever year it was always so fun to open the book and it's you know summer break harry turns whatever in july my birthday is in june sorry harry and i were born in the same year apparently which no we were not technically it doesn't matter he excuse me she her whole big question was what made it so special and the way i remember wrapping up those that series of interviews was it had nothing to do with the books and the magic and the adventure it was the friendships it was the way the characters connected to each other as children experiencing life in a way that Hmm. i didn't have at the time a group of friends to experience life with because the way that they met because ron and harry became friends over you know sitting in the same booth and and harry in like the train snacks yes yeah and then hermione like kind of just came in oh oh, because she was looking she was looking for neville's toad yeah and they even made fun of her, but mm-hmm. she still became part of their friend group. But for me, for the Harry Potter series, it wasn't necessarily about their friendship. I thought that was nice. Hmm. But for me, it was the escapism. It was the entire brand new and different world. It was the magic. It was the fantasy. Hmm. That's what helped me. And I remember because I think that final book came out when I was in my 20s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I was was 19 when that one came out. 22, maybe? 21, 22, 23? You're only two years older than me. Cool, cool, cool. So if I was 19... 21. Good job. I even counted with my fingers. (laughs) Um, I read through that in two days. Me too. Like, did not sleep. Took off work and everything. Oh, I didn't take off work. I just, as soon as I got home, read it all throughout the night. Mm -hmm. Couldn't put it down wept Ugh. yeah so it definitely wasn't about the friendships for me mm-hmm. which i'm sure we could probably like delve into like why was it that those friendships didn't matter to me in the book like they mattered to you mm-hmm. i had just moved to a new state at that time mm. i hadn't made friends yet i'm sure later if we really wanted to go into it yeah eventually there was that same level of escapism but at the time that the first book came out and i was reading that i didn't know anybody I had moved to a new state and was homeschooled. I started them much later, too. Like, I didn't start them right when they came out. Oh, really? Either. Yeah. Hmm. But anyway. Anyway, Yeah, that's a different topic. It it sure is. We're really getting off to the uh, races with sideline stories. Uh, You know what? Part of what we do. It is. So currently, without editing, we're sitting at 112. Seems like a good time to wrap it up. Wrap it on up. Thanks for being being willing to just like go with my random prompt. That I oh, I loved it. You. I love this. Are you kidding me? Thanks for uh, letting me go into the therapy talk because that's bring it back around. how I relate to kids the most these days that's is fair. in therapy and, yeah. and also to parents because I don't have kids. I don't plan on having Dude, kids. And ditto. And I and I love the way that you you you're able to share how to make such rather intimidating parenting should do's Hmm. and to rather understandable digestible and doable things Mm -hmm. one of my favorite sayings that i learned from my my supervisor is parent the child in front of you just parent the child in front of you they're having a meltdown because their best buddy didn't pick them okay your job 
is to respond to that hurt, help them through that, and then help them figure out what to do differently and and talk to them like you like that whole example you gave. It's not about trying to raise the perfect child or anything oh, like that. It's no. about just Our loving the little being that. that's in front of you. Yeah. Just love the little being in front of you. So, I love the little being in front of me. And I love the little being in front of me. Oh my God, you know what we didn't do? What? That's Jake. And that's Melissa. And this has been best friend. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Still biffed it. I was going to say has been because. That's adorable. That's uh, much more clever. But I just realized we hadn't done that at all. And last night we made it like 10 minutes in before. I went, and by the way. Yeah. Well, whoops a days. We've been out of the, we're out of practice. It's been a hot minute. It's been like three hot minutes. So do you want me to get my sticky note for you? Or do you think that you've got this now that we're together? Well. We're going to do our ending credits. Yeah. Yeah. Because our listeners need to know that Jennifer Bates. Well done. I was hoping you'd do this first. We got <laughs> that, we got some guff. I no, not we. It was all I, you who I fully got the some guff. guff. I forgot to mention Jennifer in my solo episode and, and Jennifer she let us no. I apologize. I loved it. I did too. It was so funny. I love you, lady. Yes, our beautiful beautiful artwork came from Jennifer Bates. Correct. A talented woman. Also, uh, Jacob and I edit our own episodes, so you're welcome and we're sorry. (laughs) At the same time. Find us on social media. We're on Twitter and Instagram at BFHpod. We're also on Patreon, patreon.com slash BFHpod. And we're going to put up some embarrassing childhood photos. We sure are. Let's do that. Also, if you have a story, maybe it's a story about your child or your a child that's yours or in your life it's a really cute friendship story or even a friendship between you and a child mm-hmm. and things that you've learned from that that would be great to share or a topic that you would like covered or a prompt that you would have for us or even just anything truly that you would like to share with best friendhood you can always shoot us an email at bestfriendhoodpod at gmail.com nailed it <sighs> Woof. I did not get that right in my solo episode, so I just deleted it out. Um, <laughs> I didn't even notice. Yeah, I just put, you can email us sometime, and I didn't say where. <laughs> They've heard it all before. Yeah. We got all sorts of places that they can listen to us as well. We're on Apple. We're on Spotify. We're on Stitcher. We're on SoundCloud. And we're working on more. Are we? I am. All right. Yeah. And that's about it. So, dear hearts, please remember and know that you are loved and worth being loved. Okay, I love you, bye. Love you, bye. That's how I end it.